What is good, everybody? Welcome to the 17th and final Instant Reaction podcast of the year. That is, of course, I suppose, instant reaction after a game. Who knows what's going to happen this offseason? There may, may be some emergency podcasts in our future. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera, and with me as, oh, I don't want to say always, right now with me this week is Levin Black. What's up, Levin? Uh, not the Niners, but that was to be expected, and <laughs> it's kind of good in this situation, so... <laughs> Yes, the 49ers fall 26-23 to the Seattle Seahawks, ending the misery that was the 2020 season. 6-10 and will be the final record for the history books. It is the fifth time in the last six years that the 49ers have finished with at least 10 losses. First reaction, Levin. Eh, glad it's over. (laughs) Like, first reaction doesn't even really have to do with this game specifically. It's just... Glad this freaking season is over. You know, it's kind of like, okay, the 2020 year has ended. Now let's end the season and just be done with it. George Kittle did not get injured as far as we know, although we may want to wait a couple more days before we say that. But as far as we know, George ended the season uninjured. Thank God. Which I was, you know, that was basically, I was just terrified that the last two weeks he was going to come back and, you know, tear an ACL and then miss all of 2021. Yeah, that might have been the most upset I was during this game was early on when they were running those like end arounds and leak outs with Kittle. It's like, what are you doing? Like, you want Kittle to play? Fine. Don't put him in freaking harm's way with these balls that if the defense is there, he has no way of protecting himself because he has to turn his back to them to catch the ball. Like, don't be running those. Yeah, I'll never understand Kyle's insistence on throwing Kittle in there, but hopefully it didn't burn the 49ers this time. I mean, this game, I feel like we say the same thing every single Sunday, but it was more of the same for the 49ers. The defense came out, as I predicted on Friday, you could tell. The defense wanted to send Salah out with a bang, and they came out, and they were awesome in this game. They were incredible in the first half. They gave up 106 total yards in the first half, only 3.3 yards per play. The Seahawks were over 2 in the red zone. Everything you could want from a 49er defense, they delivered in the first half of this game. And it actually went into the third quarter. I think the Seahawks only had three yards in that third quarter. So they gave up less than 110 yards in three quarters to a Russell Wilson offense. And a Russell Wilson offense that dominated the Niners pretty much the entire game back in, what was that, week eight? I think it was that they played originally when DK Metcalf went off. They shut not only DK Metcalf down, but pretty much everybody down until right towards the end, which kind of to be to to be expected when your offense doesn't do much. Yeah, the offense sputtered as it usually does when C.J. Beathard or Nick Mullins or basically anyone other than Jimmy Garoppolo. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what was that? I saw some brown liquor over there. What are we drinking on Sunday night to drown our sorrows? It's not drowning my sorrows. It's just drinking because it's a Sunday night during a pandemic. <laughs> It ends in a Y, so Levin's having a drink. What is it? What do we we got? Some scotch there? Some whiskey? That's uh, some Dicerone. Oh, that's right. I forgot you bought the big bottle of it the other day. Well done, sir. Okay. Uh, yeah, so the offense sputtered out, and the Seahawks ended the game. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown on the last three possessions where they were actually trying to score. They get the comeback win. Ho-hum. They're not going to be the number one seed because the Packers beat the Bears. So Seattle will be the number three seed. And, you know, I feel like we've said the same thing every week, every Sunday. 49ers had a crucial turnover that 
took them out of the game and set the other team up with a short field, which Seattle cashed in for a touchdown. And that's basically it. The defense can only hold so long before the dam breaks. And once again in 2020, the dam broke. That's pretty much it. I mean, the Niners didn't do enough. They could have put the game away a few times. They didn't. The offense was terrible for really about, I mean, you want to say the first half, but they also weren't great coming out of the half. They really got going there for a little while. I think they had four straight scoring drives, but that was it. The rest of the game, the defense was out there a lot, and defenses wear out when they're out there a lot. That's just the nature of it. Yeah, they were. the offense was horrible to start the game. Just, I mean, here are their drives in the first half. Three plays and out. Six plays and out. Three plays and out. Three plays and out. And then a field goal. Like, that was the first half. Now, they, they did, like you said, they got rolling there for a little bit. But in crucial times, once again, Mike McGlinchey let you down, getting burned as he usually does. And the 49ers offense let you down. And that's what we saw in 2020. Today was a microcosm of the entire season. Now, let me ask you, why did you think Josh Rosen did not play? I don't know. I was actually kind of surprised about that because Kyle made it seem on Friday like he was you know, going to get creative. I think what happened is Kyle is so competitive and this game was close for so long that he wanted to win. And so he was like, I'm not taking Bethard out and throwing in Josh Rosen, who's been here for 10 minutes and doesn't know his ass from his elbow, basically. And I think he his just competitive spirit took over. See, I, I was upset about it. I wanted to see Rosen. And I hadn't thought of the Kyle so competitive aspect. But I wondered if there was another possibility. And I, I don't have any way of knowing if this is true. I'm just throwing it out there. I wonder if Rosen has shown the physical tools that made him the top pick that he was. Uh-huh. And he doesn't want to play him because he wants to bring him back as the backup. And if you put him in and the whole league sees the physical tools there will be a bidding war for his services. You think Kyle's going galaxy brain on us? I'm not saying he's going galaxy brain. I have no clue. I have no insight into this. I was just wondering why you wouldn't play Rosen after that first half from the offense. I mean, it was atrocious. The first half was terrible, so why wouldn't you play Rosen? And it dawned on me, maybe Rosen has shown the physical tools and he doesn't want the rest of the league to see it because he wants to bring Rosen back. I suppose it's possible. Um, You never know. They didn't elevate Josh Johnson from the practice squad. That's another thing I was kind of hoping to see. I wanted to see some craziness, basically. I didn't want to see Tristan Vizcano come in, who, by the way, he was bombing kicks today. He was incredible. He kicked a 47-yarder that looked like it would have been good from 4,700 yards. The ball was going through the goalpost over the top of the goalpost. It was incredible. Yeah, he looked good. I mean, maybe he gets an opportunity somewhere else now. Obviously, it won't be the Niners as they locked in their kicker for the next two years. But he looked good. But this was also, I would say, a week 17 zero pressure kind of game. Yeah. I mean, there was. A, I think he knew he was, you know, kind of competing for a job. So I think there was a little bit of pressure on him. But, yeah, you know, I saw a lot of tweets from in Niners Twitter saying, oh, so glad we gave all this money to Robbie Gold. Viscano's over here bombing kicks from, you know, half a field away. And Niners fans are already upset about the Gold contract. <laughs> yeah it, i mean it, it could end up being a bad contract time will tell i think it was worthwhile for the one year it's really the second year that worries me but i mean it is what it is here we are talking kicking again yeah let's let's stop doing that <laughs> um yeah 
Did you see the best part of this game, by the way, was the one-handed catch that George Kittle made. I think it was in the third quarter. Just, I mean, to me, it just goes back to the whole point of this offense being unlocked. If they had any reasonable play at quarterback, the offense is going to be incredible with this, with the players that they have. And it's just a constant reminder every week of, you know, I see people criticizing Kyle Shanahan on Twitter and it's like, it's unbelievable. Even the announcers in this game were saying the 49ers should have way more points than they have because CJ Beathard's missing wide open guys. He missed Dwelly deep down the field. would would have been a sure touchdown and then a different possession. Niners are in the red zone and, and Beathard rolls out to the right and he's trying to throw to the short guy and Kittle is running wide open in the back of the end zone and he doesn't see him. I mean, even the announcers that never call 49er games are, are realizing that it's not, you know, it should be a lot better than it is. I mean, th- this is how I kind of look at this season. The Niners went six and 10. They had at least four games, maybe as many as six games that they could have won with average quarterback play, just average quarterback play. They could have won four to six more games pretty easily as well. Cause they were close and they got two good games out of their starting quarterback this year two and one of those was jimmy only throwing 16 passes in week two you know that was the 14 of 16 dominant where then i i think of memory services when he got first hurt but he had two good games you have two good games out of your starting quarterback and with even decent average quarterback play you're looking at 10 or 11 wins and that's with all the other injuries the niners had That's why two things. One, the Niners are the most talented roster in the NFC. I don't think that can really be questioned. And two, that means the coaches were doing their damn jobs. Like they kept them in games playing their second and third string, not just quarterbacks, but at almost every single skill position all season long. The running backs were a turnstile. You know, Raheem Mostert, I think, ended up playing eight games total. I think he got hurt in three of those games. (laughs) Jeff Wilson played about half the year. I mean, you you had a turnstile at running back. Wide receiver, you had Debo, played half the year. You had Ayuk, he's missed, what, a handful of games now in his rookie year. They just didn't have their skill position players, and yet the coaching staff had them in position that if the quarterback just didn't shit the bed, to put it succinctly, they would have been a 10 or 11 win team. Yeah, I think we all have come to that realization by now. Do you think that, because seemingly this was the last game for Robert Sala, do you think that that culture continues next year if Sala is somewhere else? Do you think that they still have that fight in them? Because the guys love playing for him. And you could see his energy on the sideline. He's a wild man out there. He's like just as pumped as the players are when something good happens. If they have like a Raheem Morris or just a non-psychopath at defensive coordinator next year, do you think that they'll still show that fight? It all depends on who they hire. I mean, that, that's really all there is to it. And a lot of this defense are free agents to be. I mean, the, most of the key cogs, I would say, are not. Verrett is the one truly key player, I think, to bring back, at least from what we saw this year. But what your defense ends up having as a mentality depends a lot on who you hire. So it it will we'll see because it could be a lot of different guys that defensive coordinator position will be the defensive coordinator position that everybody wants. 
Yeah, I mean, how could you not want to step into what the 49ers have there? I mean, they're set up hopefully for success for a long time. Speaking of free agents on defense, Levin, let's talk about Akella Witherspoon a little bit. I have been really impressed with him the last, I would say, three or four weeks of the season. I mean, in this game today, he is locking down DK Metcalf. Now, not every play, but when he's on DK Metcalf, He's breaking up passes and he's talking trash to DK Metcalf. And I even see, I even saw some Seattle beat writers say, Akella Witherspoon is talking trash to DK and it's plausible for how he's playing right now. Metcalf finished with three catches for 21 yards, no touchdowns, nine targets. I mean, Witherspoon has looked great the last three weeks. Do you think he's played well enough for the Niners to bring him back? I think the Niners will be interested But as I said in our Gold Standard podcast last week, I think he's probably the guy, along with Quan Williams, that Salah will try to steal wherever he goes. Because they're guys that will know his system, and they're guys that might be a little undervalued on the open market so that he can get them cheaper. I mean, if you're Salah, and you're sitting there, and you want a corner who knows your system, who you believe in, because we know Salah believes in Willerspoon from some of the quotes he's had over the last two two or three years. But Witherspoon's market won't be that big, in my opinion. So you're looking at probably having to outbid the Niners. If I'm Salah, I say give him an extra million on top of whatever the Niners are willing to give him. It's not a big deal. Instead of paying him three or four million dollars a year, we'll pay him four or five. Who cares? It's not that big of a difference. I get the guy I want. You know what I mean? Like I, I think it will be very hard for the Niners to bring him back because Salah is going to want to steal him. Yeah, you saw every coach has sort of staple guys that they want to bring in, guys that know the system that can sort of help ease the transition. You saw it with Shanahan. I mean, the Brian Hoyer signing is, you know, a classic example of that. The only reason Brian Hoyer was on this team is because he was a quarterback that knew the offense. That his main job was to just help all their players on the offense learn the damn system. So everybody's going to have their guys that they want to bring. And I agree. Salah is going to poach one or maybe two of the 49ers defensive backs for sure. If Jason Verrett and Kwan Williams come back next year, will you learn how to say their names properly? <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. I had to just squeeze that it, in. It's it's not my fault that they mispronounce their names. <laughs> <laughs> right. Why should they, <laughs> Why should you change? They're the ones that suck. Um, another free agent I saw that was doing a little talking. Kendrick Bourne after the game said he wants to be back. He knows the team is going to go really far next year. He said, I can see it. It's too easy to see. He threw this in too, which I like. I don't really mind who's out there at quarterback next season. And he added that he's caught a touchdown pass from each quarterback. That's a nice, that's a shrewd move by Kendrick Bourne. (laughs) Uh, That's Kendrick Bourne letting the cat out of the bag a little bit. Because Kyle tried to tamper it all down saying, oh, I believe Jimmy will be back. Unless we can find an upgrade. And now Kendrick Bourne saying, I don't care who the quarterback is. Kendrick Bourne is speaking from something he knows. Well, but Mike McGlinchey after the game is all, you know, he's in Garoppolo's corner. I believe our team needs him. Our team is clearly different without him. He added he wants Jimmy to be the quarterback of the future. And the rest of the locker room thinks that as well. That would be awesome if he could stay healthy. I mean, I've said it before. Is Jimmy a great quarterback? No. Is he an above-average quarterback? Yes. I still think, when healthy, his talent level is the top 8 to 12 range, which makes him above-average, which makes him good enough for this team. The problem is his health. He cannot be trusted to stay healthy. That That's the bottom line. 
How about the report from Chris Mortensen this morning, who I love Chris Mortensen, worked with him for a long time. But the report was that that it's believed that Jimmy Garoppolo uh, will be the quarterback next year unless the 49ers can find a better option this offseason. No shit, Sherlock. Like, Kyle Shanahan has been saying that. You can't report that. If You might as well just quote the head coach. Like that That's the case for every single team. Like every team, if they can upgrade a position – will upgrade it if they can find one. The only difference for the Niners is, is they're actively going to be looking for one. <laughs> Obviously, somebody like Seattle is not going to be looking for an upgraded quarterback. But the Niners will be. And I think it goes right in line. Everything we've seen from this past week, week and a half, quotes-wise and reports-wise, goes right in line with what I've been saying, that the Niners are going to use Jimmy as their fallback plan. They're not going to release Jimmy quickly. They're not going to do it early. They're not going to look to trade him early. They're going to go into the offseason, chase what vets they value. If they strike out there, go into the draft, chase a draft pick that they value more than Jimmy. If they strike out there, they still have Jimmy on roster, and they go with Jimmy, and they say, this was our plan all along. If they get <laughs> either of the first two, they move on from Jimmy. Like I, it's exact, it's, it's setting up exactly like I think it's going to end up going. They will keep Jimmy for however long they have to until they can find an upgrade, whether that means one year, two years, or they get rid of him in two months. And, you know, I was telling you before we press record here, and I've been saying it, this podcast, the gold standard, basically anytime I get in front of a microphone, we are five or six weeks away from Thunderdome, basically. I think it's going to be one of the most chaotic off seasons for the 49ers in franchise history with everything that's going on. There's going to be so much change there. You know, Shanahan said it after the game. I'm glad the season is over. Basically what he said, he's done with this. He wants to get back at it. I think he's convinced that if they didn't have all the injuries they had, they would have been competing for a playoff spot. And it's going to be, we have no idea what this team is going to look like next season. None. This offseason really is only going to compare to two other offseasons that I can think of, at least in the period that I know. You know, I don't know 50s Niners history, really. But I think it's going, you got, obviously, the offseason that they moved on from Montana. That, w- that would have been absolutely ape crazy social media if that happened. That would have <laughs> been akin to if the Patriots chose Jimmy over Brady. That's what that compares to. Then the only other one that I would say even can, is going to compare is I believe it was after the 03 season. They became the first team, and I believe still the only team ever, to change out their head coach, their leading passer, their leading rusher, and their leading receiver all in the same offseason. That was when they got rid of uh, Hurst, Owens, Garcia, and Mooch. Now, it's not going to be that crazy. But it is, in just like those situations, they were a successful team that decided to move on from their quarterback is the main theme here. This is a team that is going to be looking to win a Super Bowl the next year, yet they're looking to move on from a quarterback. You don't see that very often. Yeah, that is such a weird combination. And I saw a lot of people tweeting over the weekend about Josh Fields and all the possible 49ers quarterback situations. Here's the thing that I think makes me excited for, for what's going to happen here when, when the new league year gets started and all the moves can happen. This is an organization that swings for the fences. 
they are not afraid to go for the home run. Sometimes they swing and miss like they did in the draft with Solomon Solomon Thomas and Reuben Foster, but they're not afraid to try, which I love. So if there is a guy that they love, if it's Wilson, if it's Fields, Lawrence is probably out of the picture. But if it's Stafford, whoever it is, if there's a guy that they love, they're going to get him. I, this is not to me the front office that says, well, we tried really super hard, but we just couldn't make it work. Like they'll go the extra mile, they'll give up the extra pick, they'll pay the extra million, and they'll find a way to get it done. I don't disagree. I just think if they go into this, we know that they've scouted Wilson. They've had Adam Peters at Wilson's games. And we know that now that Shanahan knows Fields well because Fields has participated in the QB collective, which the Shanahans are a big part of. I mean, he's literally worked out with Kyle Shanahan in the past. So we know that he knows those two quarterbacks decently well at this point. And I think they're both top flight prospects that I think the Niners will want. So I don't think they're going to be zeroing in on the number two pick. I could see them saying, you know what? We love both of these quarterbacks. We're going to let one of them go at number two, and we're going to target the number four or five pick to try to get up there and get the one that's left because that saves them so much more. I mean, if you're out there thinking it's only a couple draft picks, you're mistaken because a couple draft picks in the top five is the difference between giving up like two first round picks and a second round pick and giving up two first round picks and like a sixth round pick. I mean, it's a massive difference. It's a difference between a second and sixth round pick. And obviously the details will be a little bit different than that in all likelihood, but it is a massive difference. And I could see them saying, we're going to wait and try to get that third quarterback rather than trying to get all the way to number two. There's a couple other draft questions I want to ask you. We'll go over the draft order as it stands right now. Uh, And then there's another just kind of overall question I want to ask you about the 2020 season. So we'll do all that when we come back after the break. Welcome back to the Instant Reaction Podcast, episode 17. 49ers lose 26-23 to the Seahawks, 6-10 and 10 on the year. I teased before we went to break about the draft order. So the Niners right now are 12th. It goes Jags 1, Jets 2, Miami Dolphins 3 because of their trade with the Houston Texans. The Falcons are 4, Cincinnati Bengals 5, Eagles 6, Lions 7, Panthers 8, Broncos 9, Cowboys 10, Giants 11, 49ers 12. There are a lot of quarterback needy teams above the 49ers. So if they want that guy, not only are they going to have to pay the price just to move up that high, but they're also going to have to outbid all the other teams. That is true, but maybe they get one of those vets. You know, I tweeted about it earlier today that, you know, there was reports coming out that the Wentz and Doug Peterson relationship is completely fractured and the Eagles have essentially made it known that they are keeping Peterson, which means they can't really keep Wentz in that situation. So that opens the door. And I threw it out here, I think it was probably almost two months ago at this point, that yes, Wentz's contract is untradeable at this point, in my opinion. But if Wentz knows he has no chance of starting, he might be willing to redo his contract, make it more affordable, not only for Philly to trade him, but for his new team to have him. And he gets out of it a chance to start again. Like everybody wins in that scenario. If I'm Wentz, though, I say I'm not renegotiating anything. Cut me. And then I get to pick where I go. 
or don't cut me and now you got to keep me and i'm going to be a pain in the ass all year well they they literally save money by keeping him that's the problem <laughs> they save money by keeping him so i i don't think he has any real threat of that but if he says he's going to be a pain all year long and every time that hurts has a bad game carson wentz is there you know telling tweeting telling the media hey put me in i could have i could have come back i could have saved it i don't know that they want to deal with that wentz is from north dakota he's not that kind of guy uh, yeah okay <laughs> he's a goody two-shoe put it that way i saw the report that the lions are going to let the new sort of regime decide what to do with matthew stafford that didn't shock me they're trying to keep his trade value up they're not going to have a report to come out now that says they're definitely moving on from matt stafford but i think he's going to be available i think he's going to tell the lions that he's done he wants out i mean he played today he was so banged up today he played like that guy is such a gamer i think he wants to know what it's like to be on a competitive team he knows he's not getting younger He's probably got like three, maybe three or four seasons left. I think there's a chance he goes to them and says he's done. So that's on the table for the Niners. And let me tell you, that is my, if Aaron Rodgers is totally off the table, Stafford is my number two option. He is the guy that I want them to go get. I know it's going to just grind your gears. I got a couple of things. One, the fact that all of the people that I have seen being reported as up for the Detroit job are defensive-minded people yet again leads me to believe Stafford would want to opt out. Even if they hire the right guy, they're once again not going out and getting an offensive guy when they have a quarterback to go with. You know what I mean? Like Normally in that situation, the teams would go out and say, we're getting an offensive guru to go with our quarterback over here that we took number one overall. They've never done it. Like they keep going with these defensive guys. Two, I think that it would be shocking if any new regime came in and said, yeah, sure, let's move on from Stafford, especially when Detroit doesn't have a top pick to go out and get their quarterback. So I think that's something that's something that's going to be difficult. And three, like, yes, I'm not a big fan of Stafford. But is he an upgrade over Jimmy? Yes. I do I think the Niners could win a Super Bowl with Stafford? Yes. Does Stafford have things that concern me? Absolutely. But he's better than Jimmy. And unlike Jimmy, he can play through injury. Like, I want to breach this subject now because you brought it up. Jimmy has missed 10 games this year doing due to a high ankle sprain. Terry McLaurin is about to suit up as we're recording for Washington when he has a severe high ankle sprain that he just suffered last week in addition to other injuries, and he's going to play on it even though his route tree will be limited and he'll be on a severe snap count, are the reports. Yet Jimmy is here. How many weeks in a row has he missed now and he can't come back from a severe ankle injury? Meanwhile, Stafford, what he has, he's had, I think, rib issues. He's had ankle issues. He's his uh, hand has been he has a broken bone in his hand and he's still out there playing. Like, I think that's something that needs to be said that why the heck hasn't Jimmy been able to come back from this injury? Well, I think he didn't come back when Kittle came back because he doesn't want to hurt trade value anymore that he has this season. I don't think his agent wants him to play. I don't think the Niners want him to play because if he gets hurt, then he gets money. And so I think it benefited all sides for him not to get back on the field. Like I've talked to you know, Kyle Posey has said it. Akash Anavarathan has said it on their podcast. If you look at Jimmy in practice, he looks healthy. He looks like he's ready to go. But they're sort of, you know, they're saying, oh, he hasn't been cleared yet. 
because that's the easiest, that's the most convenient way for that everybody to kind of just shove, you know, shuffle it under the rug and not ask questions. But doesn't that say something about Jimmy? I mean, I, this isn't what an instant reaction pod's supposed to be about, but I think that says something about Jimmy because there's a lot of people out there, a lot of quarterbacks out there that would say, I don't give a shit. You're not benching me. I'm playing. I am healthy. Kittle demanded to go back in because he's healthy. And that also, if that is all true, which I do believe Jimmy is healthy. I've seen the videos that have been posted on Twitter. He certainly looks healthy, certainly healthy enough to play. Doesn't that fly in the face of what Kyle just said about Kittle? Well, if he's healthy, he's got to play. How can I justify it to the locker room if he's healthy and he doesn't play? Well, that's what you're freaking doing with your quarterback. Like, yeah, that's why when Kyle said that it was bull because there are different rules for different people. And yeah, like you said, Jimmy Garoppolo is example one. And don't worry about it. Look, it's instant reaction, but it's it's week 17. The season's <laughs> over here. So we've got a lot to react to. Um, I wanted to make a point about Stafford and the Lions. And now I forgot about it because you were ripping Jimmy Garoppolo. Real professional there, Rob. Yep, I might I'm not be able to pronounce names, but come on. Here's a Here's a nugget that Kyle Posey pointed out. Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, because everybody points to his record with the yeah, 49ers. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, showed yeah. it on the broadcast today. 24 and 9 with Jimmy Garoppolo, 7 and now 27 without Jimmy Garoppolo. But Kyle has pointed out that Jimmy has missed more games than he's won. So, yeah, his record's great, but when you've missed more than you've won, you can't be trusted. And that's what it's going to come down to. I think this season has scarred Kyle Shanahan. I think he is going to be so injury averse next year i think his like total mindset when it comes to acquiring players is going to be i need guys that are just give me guys that can freaking play out there i don't care how good of a quarterback you are if you can only play 50 percent of the games which is about what jimmy has played in the last three years you're not worth paying like the one thing a quarterback must be to start off with is reliably healthy like you might miss a game here and there, but you need quarterbacks to play. Quarterbacks can't be hit in today's NFL. If you can't stay healthy in today's NFL as a quarterback, that's a problem. Like, how many well, – Russell Wilson hasn't missed a start since 2012. Stafford didn't miss a start until recently for like 10 years. Like, <laughs> that that's more the norm is these Ironmen that go 150-plus starts without missing a single play – or a single start. And you got Jimmy who can't even play half the games. It it's truly nothing personal. Like people will say I'm hating on Jimmy. I'm not hating on him. I think he's still an above average quarterback. But when you can't stay healthy, I don't care who you are and how good you are. It's not personal. It's just a simple fact. He has missed more than half the season and two out of three of his years as a starter. And in his one chance to start prior to coming to the Niners, he missed half those games. He had four <laughs> games that he could play for Brady when Brady yep. had the deflate gate and he missed two of them because he hurt his or his shoulder. Like Jimmy is injury prone. That's a simple fact. You could not win in the NFL with an injury prone quarterback or a quarterback you can't count on to be there. I'll make you I'll make you happy and bring it back to today's game. Well then look at today's a perfect example. Russell Wilson is out there doing nothing in the first half, getting knocked around. Robert Sala was blitzing him like crazy. He was going all out with kitchen sink in this game to get to Russell Wilson. Anytime it was a big-time passing situation, they were rushing the hell out of him. It was great to see. 
and he takes a beating as he has. Nobody has been hit more than Russell Wilson since he was drafted in the league. And he comes back his last three, three drives and goes touchdown, 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 and the Seahawks win the game. Russ never misses time. He's never, he takes those hits. He just keeps getting up. Like, and the Seahawks have won and won consistently because of it. Kyle was just asked, I think on Friday, about Russell Wilson and all the winning and, and all the winning that Pete Carroll in Seattle has done. And his first answer was the first thing he said, how have they done it? They have the right quarterback. That was the first thing he said. So he knows, you know, you're not, if he were listening to this, he would be nodding his head because he agrees with what you're saying. Levin. Let me put it this way. Okay. Jimmy wins when he plays. If you go for the last three years, that means if he's won 24 overall with the Niners, it means he's won 19 in the last three years, the three years that he's been solidified as the starter and leader of this franchise since he got that big contract. 19 wins in three years is just over six wins a season. Are you happy with that? <laughs> Your starting quarterback is getting you six wins a season. No, like that's not good. Not for 26 million. So you can look at it that way. He he gets you six wins a season. That's not good. And so as the season now is officially over, a lot of players have been talking about just the wear and tear of the weirdness of this season. I mean, we probably forget as fans, they have not been home in California for weeks now. They're tired of being in that friggin' hotel. So with all that extra stuff going on and all the injuries that the 49ers have had and the disappointment, where do you rank this season just in terms of weirdness for the 49ers because I think it might be the weirdest season the team has ever had weirdness that's a good one because I mean misery adversity yeah I mean misery is a little easier to quantify because there's been seasons where the Niners are so god-awful in like the mid-2000s that like there was nothing to get excited about whereas this season at least had moments of excitement weirdness is a little bit different of uh, barometer and I can't I don't put it this way I don't have anything jump to my mind as far as weirder like maybe the Mike Nolan criticizing Alex Smith for his toughness when he has a severe injury <laughs> that, that's about the only thing that comes to mind Mike Singletary dropping his pants in the locker room during a speech well that was a singular weird moment but uh, it worked so I mean you've got a team facing a global pandemic that gets sent from a state whose numbers are better than the state that they're going to because of the pandemic. You've got massive injuries right, basically right out of the gate, less than less than eight quarters into the season. Then you've got like actual hope when they win a couple games in the season, you're thinking, Oh my God. I mean, going into that Buffalo game, I thought that they were going to make the playoffs. I really thought that they might find a way to sneak through. And, you know, if they won in Buffalo, they would have even their record. They would have been at 500. They would have been right there for a playoff spot. And then they just got put in a blender by the Bills, and that was pretty much the end of things. But this season has just been, it's been incredible. I can't remember a season that compares on any level to this one. How about we sum it up with what C.J. Beathard said after the game today? He was asked about what it's been like living in Arizona, and he said, Hopefully we never have to do this again. Yeah, I mean, that sums it up. The, the 49ers wore white today in a home game, quote-unquote home game, because originally they were going to wear the throwbacks, the sweet 
94 all-white throwbacks. But with the way the season has gone, Kyle is just like, ah, screw it. So they wore the regular home whites for the first time since 1979. So nothing about this year was normal. And right down to the very last game, nothing about this season was normal. Hey, now my turn to ask you a question. All right. After what you saw out of C.J. Beathard this, this week and what you've seen out of him this season. No. Would you agree that he's an average backup? No. I think he is. Backups are horrendous in the NFL. There are starters that are horrendous in the NFL. I think C.J. Beathard is an average backup. Now, that's not saying a whole lot in reality. I think that sounds more more positive than it really is. But he's an average backup. Like, put it this way. I wouldn't, unless it's Jimmy again, if they go out and get a guy that they can count on or a rookie that should be able to, you know, that you don't know his true injury history, but you would think can play, I wouldn't be opposed to CJ being the backup because he's what you would, he's what a backup should be. Now, if they keep Jimmy, no, you need to go out and get a freaking backup that's truly like a starting quality backup, like Ryan Fitzpatrick or something. Which is, I mean, just think about how stupid that is. Oh, we're going to keep our starting quarterback, but we know he's probably going to get hurt. So we better <laughs> upgrade the backup. Like Kyle Posey said it perfectly a couple of weeks ago. If you need a better backup quarterback, you need a better starting quarterback. It's just that simple. And I don't, by the way, I don't think Beathard is an average quarterback. I think you have to, all the quarterbacks. Average now, backup. There's a big difference. He's an average backup. They all look 20% better than they are because of Shanahan and the way he schemes guys open, the way, how easy he spoon feeds these guys throws. I mean, CJ Beathard had three touchdowns last week. He didn't do anything special. A trained monkey could have made the throws that he made. Like these, they look all, they all look way better than they are. Get rid of CJ Beathard. I guarantee you, no one is signing CJ Beathard to be their backup quarterback if they cut him. Just like no one is signing Nick Mullins to be their freaking backup quarterback if they cut him. Like, no, 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 no. I'd rather have uh, Josh Johnson be the backup next year. I'd rather have Josh Rosen be the backup next year. I want no part of Nick freaking Mullins or CJ freaking Beathard. Give me a break. Nick Mullins is out of the question because Tommy John means he's not going to be back anytime soon and probably not ever considering Tommy John. I mean, he already didn't have great arm talent, so. But I do think I would not be horribly mad if our quarterbacks were, say, Stafford. But don't if yes, under the dark side. Let me rephrase it. If Beathard was the backup, I would not be opposed to that being the backup. Like he he's not a terrible backup. He's just not somebody that can go in and start five six games for you, and that's not what a backup should be. Is he somebody that can go in? and play for a half or a game or two and keep you alive? Yeah, I think so. And that's all you want in a backup. Like, you can't expect special out of a backup. You know, I just thought of this. Let's say, for whatever reason, the Lions take a really long time to hire a coach, and then they take a really long time to hire a GM, and the Niners have decided that Stafford's the guy they want. Like, you want to get that trade done as soon as possible, right? Because you want to get him with a playbook and get him studying that thing for as long as he possibly can before. I know where you're year. going. I know where you're going with this, and I've already thought of it. Where am I going? You want somebody there that knows the playbook to help the new guy coming in. Yeah, that's, that's why exactly that there's. <laughs> I already thought of that. That's part of why I brought up the topic. 
I was waiting till we got towards the end to say, well, don't you want a quarterback who knows the system to stick around? But I also think that I wonder if that's what they were thinking with Josh Johnson. Like he's going to, he has the playbook already. He's been studying it for weeks and weeks. Was that part of their thinking that, Hey, we're going to clear out the quarterback room. So let's get, try and get at least one guy that will keep on the roster next year, whether it's Rosen or Johnson or whoever that we can get a playbook to already. Yes. And no, I mean, neither one of those guys have played in the playbook. So I don't, I don't think you can really count them in as being like the expert to help out a Stafford or, somebody like that coming in or a wince or whatever vet quarterback. Or I think if they end up going for a rookie, it's even more valuable to get somebody like CJ who has many years now in this system and has started in this system. It can certainly help somebody learn it. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be, I think it's going to be fun. I'm sure I'm not going to agree with every decision they make, but just the fact that every day you wake up in this off season, there could be, a holy crap moment, a stop what you're doing, look at your phone moment where you're like, holy sh**, I can't believe that just happened. That literally could be every day of the offseason once the new league year starts. And that's fun, especially when you're not talking about a team with a terrible roster. You're talking about a team with a really good roster. Like anything could happen. They could trade Debo Samuel this offseason. I could totally see that. They could do anything. There are so many crazy things that can happen. They could hire Wade Phillips to be their defensive coordinator. Who knows what's going to happen? But every day you wake up, it could be like that. And that's not a bad thing for an offseason. The holy crap moment after you wake up normally comes after coffee. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Sorry. That's why I was sitting over here laughing and trying to contain my laughter the whole time. I can tell when I'm talking and the light bulb goes on and you have something like in your back pocket and you're like, you're acting like you're paying attention, but you're really just waiting for me to shut up so you can say whatever gem you think you've unearthed. Well, that was a gem. (laughs) Depending on how constipated you are, it could be a real gem. Maybe you need more coffee. Hey, we're talking about backup quarterbacks. Might as well talk about they go right together. Well, they, they certainly do this year. I thought that was such a smart thing that Kyle said when he was basically like, your backup quarterback is not supposed to play this much. He's supposed to be a guy that can get you through one or two games. I, I thought that was a brilliant point by him. So if you're telling me that Nick Mullins has to play one game next year, could I tolerate him as the backup quarterback, considering he knows the system and can help a new guy? I uh, Okay. But... I think that was the main point from Kyle is that there, or whoever it is, we should not care this much about the backup quarterback because the starter should be the guy that's in there. So I just had a thought in what we're all, what we've been talking about here. If you want the guy who knows the playbook to help the others keep Nick Mullins and put him on IR right away, he's not going to be able to play, but he's there to help the people coming in. And no. we all know that he is like a crazy student studier of the playbook. So he might be even better than CJ. For doing that then just make him a coach make him an offensive special offensive assistant i'm serious just make him a coach then that's fine there's no salary cap for coaches you could have as big a coaching staff as you want there's like no rules about it so hire him and make him a coach that's why like i had a buddy tweet me uh <laughs> my friend adam tweeted me and said why don't they just give sala a 10-year 100 million dollar contract and my response back to him was if i was an owner i would do that i would pay my coaches so much money that they would never want to leave. Or maybe they would, but they'd have to think long and hard about it. Like if you go to Sal and you're like, I'll pay you 500 grand less than Kyle Shanahan. 
You leaving? Now, maybe he says, yeah, I want to be my own guy. Maybe he does. But maybe he doesn't. Or maybe he gets a hell of a lot pickier when it comes to which job he's willing to leave for. Maybe he sticks around for an extra one or two years. There's no salary cap when it comes to coaches. Why don't owners do this? Was it Adam Schefter, Mr. ESPN over there? Uh, we are not, buddy. <laughs> I doubt he on to me. So, no, it was not Adam Schefter. It was Adam Narducci. But what? do you agree? Yeah, I mean, if it's possible, but I think there's some logistics there that you might not have think thought of. The fact that he would have to officially retire to become a coach and lead the players' union to become a coach. Like, there's some hurdles there for Mullins if he ever wants to come back and play. He's like, going to retire anyway, you just said. He's probably going to have to because he doesn't get an opportunity. That doesn't mean in his mind he's willing to accept that. Dude, he sucks. Everybody knows it. It's not yeah. like if he comes, if his arm comes back, he's all set. Like, no, he like, still sucks. Among quarterbacks, he's probably in the top five for torpedoing his value around <laughs> the league the most of this year. Like, Carson Wentz, top of the list. After that, like, Nick Mullins went from, oh, somebody who could be a starter and teams might be willing to trade a mid-round pick to, to get and see if he can be a starter to he's complete garbage, nobody will sign him. You know who I <laughs> You know, I would love to see him. Mean, this is where we're going to end it because we've spent too long talking about the back quarterback. <laughs> you know who the best, absolute best option the 49ers could get for a backup quarterback next year? Me? Yes, you. <laughs> would be the guy that's playing right now. The guy who's leading the Washington football team right now. They're up 10 nothing on the Eagles in the first quarter. He is the perfect backup quarterback, is he not? He's been in a billion systems. He's incredibly smart. He's incredible in terms of locker room guy and getting guys prepared, whether it was Kaepernick when he got benched in the middle of the best season he's ever had or Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City when when Mahomes took his job. He always steps up and helps the starting quarterback. Al, I'm saying it now. Alex Smith is the best backup option for the 49ers. I don't know what his contract situation is, admittedly. I don't know if he's a free agent or if Washington's going to – I have no idea. But I'm just saying if I could pick a guy, that's the pick. Sure, if you can make him a backup, but Alex, I believe, will probably look for a place where he might be able to start. He probably won't be able to find a surefire starting job, but going somewhere like, say, Miami, if Miami doesn't draft another quarterback, something like that, I think, would appeal to him more. Backup quarterback is perfect, Alex. Come back home. Come back to the Bay Area. You're going to be beloved, right? You're going to be absolutely beloved. You're not going to be the starter, so you don't have to be in the line of fire. You still could make a ton of money. Granted, he probably he seems like a guy that's got his ducks in a row in terms of money. But you could make a ton of money. You could be on a really good team. And that's it. You you know, you you prep the starter, whoever it might be. Maybe that leads to a career in coaching if that's something he wants to do down the line. It's perfect, uh, Alex. Come on back. You know, if I'm Alex, what I would do is say, I'm going to count my blessings and I'm going to ride off into the sunset with the like $200 million I've made in my career and go have my life. And the comeback player of the year, which by the way, he's definitely going to win, especially if Washington wins this game and they ride off into the playoffs. Like it's his just change the name of the award. It's already his, like there's no way he does not win it. Just getting back and playing a single play. I think he was a lock to have won it. Like, I don't, I don't see how he could win, not win it. This should be a no-brainer. 
Yeah, so he's not a free agent, unfortunately. That is disappointing. But that would be my choice. Perfect guy. Perfect way to end his career. But I digress. Who knows what it's going to be? But whatever it is, whoever it is, we are going to be here for you all offseason long. We're still going to do a new podcast every day of the week. Don't worry about that. There's going to be plenty of good things to come. Levin has already planted a seed in my mind about what we're going to do this week. Possible decade in review podcast, seeing as how 2021 is the start of a new decade. And by the way, what a crazy friggin' 10 years the last decade has been. So we're going to do a lot of fun, cool, kind of creative stuff like that for you. Please, I should have reminded you at the beginning of this podcast, shame on me. Please rate, review, and subscribe. If you listen every day, if you like what you hear, just take two minutes, one minute. It doesn't take very long, but it really does help. It goes a long way. So thank you very much. Thanks for sticking with us this season. Anything you want to leave the gentle listener with, Levin? Yeah, another thing they can look forward to all off season is me giving them or giving you weekly updates on the Taysom Hill sweepstakes on who gets to sign him. Well, you saw the report today, right? Breeze is done after this season, which is what I've been saying all along. So he's going to be the starter there. The first year of the future Steve Young career begins next year. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We'll see about that. Like great for the 49ers when the saints are six and 10 next year. uh, Yeah, we'll see. I am not convinced he'll be their starter for that way. I, I would love if he wasn't their starter. That would just be the feather in my cap. But we will find out. We will get the answers to all of those questions. So thank you very much. Hopefully next year's better. How could it not be? Enjoy the offseason. Buckle up, everybody, because it's going to be a wild ride.